SEO is AO. Welcome to the show, K2. Oh my goodness. That was beautiful. Thank you. Welcome to the show, as I just said. Now, first of all, a little about you. I heard you were a goth and you like the Smiths. How on earth did you dig that up? Yes, I was a big Smiths fan back in the day. Still am. Um, Isn't that a bit depressing? Yeah, but I think as a teenager, you kind of want to be depressed. So you're still a teenager? Kind of, a bit of us. I think I'm a middle-aged, middle-aged emo, <laughs> I think is what I refer to myself now. And you were at Leeds University in the 90s on the ENTS committee. Now I want to know, did you ever book the Smiths? I didn't, but I did not book Oasis. We went to see them at Manchester, and oh, it was brilliant. before they were super famous, and we decided not to book them. And then they released their first single and went boom, and we were like, what did we do? And you could have had them like Could have had them for quid. like five quid, yeah. <laughs> Bad decision. That was, that, was, that was a big mistake. And I also know you do hula hooping. I do. And if anyone could see him right now doing that hip movement, <laughs> that is actually not how you do it. Isn't it? Oh. It's back and forth, not side to side. But oh. I'm not going to... Well, no, we're not going to do that. Let's no, move no, no, no. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I saw, part of your presentation, so this is kind of the segue, is that Australia has a dog head and a cat head. Yes. And there's a country at the bottom, or a part of the land at the bottom, which is cat food. Yeah, that's called Tasmania. Thank you. And <laughs> it's got a devil. It does. It does have a devil. There are a few devils there, and some uh, creatures called Tasmanian devils as well. Oh, they're a real thing. I thought they were just in the cartoon. No, they're a real thing. They're, oh, right, they're okay. vicious little beasts. Have, have you met them? I have seen one, but you can't meet them because they would probably bite your legs off. They're, vicious. they're small but vicious. Okay. Yeah. And do they spin around in circles like on I, Bugs Bunny? I don't think they do that, no. I think that might be creative license. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> now, on to your talk, which is, I think it was called Conversational Copy That Sells or Conversational Copy That's Also Conversion Copy? Kind of. It's about the kind of the meeting of conversion copy and SEO copywriting because Brilliant. people often think that those two things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. I hear that a lot and you're about to explain how that isn't true. Exactly. Which is brilliant. Uh, when I talk to my clients, I try and explain to them the journey that I can see, which is somebody types, types in a query, they are attracted to the, their eye is attracted to the t meta title, the title, the blue link, that corresponds to what they typed in. The description then does the, the promise of the solution is going to be here with a call to action at the end. They land on the page, the H1 needs to also contain whatever it is they uh, typed in because we're not capable as human beings apparently to, to realize that synonyms uh, do relate to what we're saying and that's where my story ends my journey ends and your journey begins yeah well my do tell me my journey begins where your journey begins as well and I agree with everything you've said oh, and cool. I think you know the title and the meta description are the first two pieces of copy anyone will ever read about your brand and yet often they're the least thought about yeah. and I like to think of them as kind of a Batman and Robin relationship like you said the title is the the boom the wow the you know the overall you know impression of what you're going to get yep. and then the meta description kind of follows up and explains the promise and it's like yep. a little mini ad and um, then as you said you come through to the home page you want immediate affirmation that you've come to the right place yep. did I just click on the right result yes because there's the thing I typed pretty much right head and center you say it so much better than I do oh, there you go well I've said it a lot um, <laughs> And then after that, you know, you've got so many different jobs to do, depending on whether it's a product page, a post, or, a, you know, a sales page. 
you've got to introduce your brand, you've got to t explain what you do, you've got to talk about features and benefits and advantages, all that happening while you're also trying to weave in the relevant phrases that might get you some Google love as well. Yeah. So it's a lot to do. And, and you, you were talking about USP, that must be user sales pitch. It's unique selling proposition, so similar. Nothing to do with it. No, it is user <laughs> sales pitch. It's, people use different phrases for it, elevator pitch, whatever. It's you know, who you are, what you do, who you do it for, and why do you do it better than that, anybody else? That was your secret sentence that I saw on your slide, which yeah. is uh, with gaps in it. Yes. And then I saw the gap and then you, you, you write a sentence and it's perfect. And yes. you go, why didn't I do that? It's just a little template. Me. I mean, copywriters use templates all the time really? and formulas, just as SEOs do, checklists and whatever, because we're doing the same thing again and again. There's only yeah. so many ways to, you know, wheel these things out. So templates can be really helpful, especially if you're not confident as a writer. Okay, which is... Most of us. Most of us. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got your uh, unique selling point, which I now learned is USP. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what did you go on to? You went on to oh, understanding the audience, yes. which we often fail to do. We do. I think, I think most people don't dig deep enough. So they might you know, talk about someone's age, where they live, whether they're married or not, which really doesn't tell us much about a human at all. So as a copywriter, we want to move into a more emotional space. Mm -hmm. you know, what are their preconceived beliefs? What, what, do, what are their desires? You know, what do they want from this product? Yeah. And what are their fears? What, what, what's going to stop them buying from you? It's the BDF principle. So really helpful. You like what, your acronyms, I, I love my acronyms. SEO, AEO, you love them too. VDF. I don't know what that means. Isn't that what you just said? No, BDF. Oh, BDF, sorry. Oh, Lord, VHS. Anyway, um, <laughs> but what it helps you to do is, it, it's slightly manipulative, but we want to be able to say to someone, I know that this is what you're worried about. Yeah. And this is how my product is going to solve that problem for you. Yeah. So unless you can get into those emotional issues, not knowing that someone's married and lives in Ipswich, it's the emotional issues that make people buy and okay. make things convert. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I find, I mean, that, that for me is quite advanced, just in the sense that when I talk to my clients and I, or I read their pages, they talk about themselves all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. It's awful. And I've, saying, got, I've uh, got a wonderful analogy for that as well. I call it the wee-wee test. All right. Because you, there's a, you basically go through your copy and you, you look for how many times you've used the word we. Oh, okay. And, and what you should be talking about is you. Yeah. So you should be talking to only one person is reading that page. You never talk about our customers or our clients. It's like you want this and you need this. And then, yeah, of course, there has to be a little bit of we, but there shouldn't be too much we we. <laughs> and the kids love that stuff. They love that band. stuff, yes. <laughs> And the next point, I'm actually reading this off my list, uh, is understand awareness. Yes. So obviously when people are buying, they don't immediately come to your site and buy the product. They go through many stages before they get to, to converting. You know, first of all, you're kind of thinking about, well, what's, I have a problem, but I'm not really sure what the solution is. Yeah. And then maybe you find out what the solution is and you're like, okay, well, I want to explore what the different options are. Who, who offers this solution and what, how can I compare them? Okay. And then once you've found a product you like, you're like, how is this product better than this person's product? Mm -hmm. And then once you've found a brand you like, then you might buy from them regardless of what happens. You know, like you like yeah. them so much that you, you know, they could put out anything and you would buy it. So understanding where people are on that path changes the keywords mm -hmm. that people are using, changes the content. Yep. You know, so it moves people from maybe blog posts, informational content, to comparison content, yeah. to product pages, to brand pages. Yeah, I, I, I really like that idea. And there's another thing is uh, Google's talking about topic layers in the knowledge graph, my yes, favorite topic. you love that. Uh, and and I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, I think I know what topic layers are, and obviously I don't, but I'm kind of making up as I go along. And, and, and 
this, this is it. It's saying, I mean, I, I'd use the example of music. If I, as a musician, Google knows that I know about music and knows that I'm not looking for basic information about how to finger the bass or whatever, or, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and somebody who's just starting out on their path to discovery of music will yeah. be looking for, for basic information about uh, how to play music or basic scales, whereas I'd be looking for advanced techniques. Yes. Um, and and that, that kind of fits in it with does. it. It does. Well, it's the next point in my little story, which oh. is sales awareness, but then search intent. Uh, is it a transactional intent? Is it a navigational intent, informational? Each of those is different. So transactional is, they've, they've used the word buy. You know, they've said affordable, they've said price. That's, that's somebody who's got a very clear transactional intent. Navigational is going to be something like, you know, Kate Toon's homepage or, you know, American Express mm. login. Very different types of searches and they're going to lead to very different types of content. So it's exactly that. It's exactly mm. that point. Yeah, I mean, and then the, the idea for the topic there is that Google sorts it all out. Even if they haven't used the word buy, it knows it, that they are on the point of buying because they've done their research. Yes. And your page needs to address the stage at which they, they are. are. And that can be really hard because we can't create 72 different pages for no. all these different people. But I think it's about making sure, especially if you have a sales page, that you cover off all those different stages. Yeah. So someone hitting it, that's why sales pages are long. It's not just for the hell of it. Oh. The longer the page, the more time people have to convert. They're going to not read the whole page. They're going to jump to the bit that's relevant to them. And that's the next thing we're going to kind of talk about, I think. Well, I mean, I mean I've seen kind of some really pushy sales people who say, you have one message with one button and that's it. And if they don't convert, then, uh, then you've done your job badly. And you're saying you actually need to explain the entire... Well, I think it depends. It depends on the emotional involvement and the cost. If you're selling a $5 thing, yep. you maybe don't need a 7,000 word sales page. No. But for example, my course is it's nearly $2,000. Mm -hmm. No one's going to buy that with one line of copy and a no. button. They're going to want proof, results, testimonials. They're going to want to see examples. They're going to want to see what it features, how it works, FAQs. Yeah. You know, and what you want is for someone to get everything they need from that page so they never have to call you. They can convert off that page. Mm. Sorry, yeah. no, I, I was thinking about something, 85% uh, or, sorry, by 2021, I think it was Christy Olsen who said, saying by 2021, 85% of people's interaction with your enterprise will not be with humans. Yes, well, I can imagine that with chatbots coming along yeah. and, you know, I have a chatbot on my site. And Do you? Yeah. Some, is it it's a friendly chatbot? It is very, it's very friendly, but it just answers some basic questions and, you know, if it gets beyond the level where I feel I don't want to automate everything, I like human contact. Mm. I want to talk to my customers, but I want to get them to the point where they have very few objections. Yeah, you know, okay. they haven't got 72, we're on the phone for three hours. Maybe they've just got one little point they would just like to run over with me. That's fine. That's that human connection. So and you've if, got them to the tipping point. Exactly. And... Yeah, because copy can only do so much. Yeah. Sometimes you actually want to talk to a human. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I like talking to humans. To <laughs> yes, me. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the next step? I can't read um, my writing. I can't read your writing either. So um, I think the next thing is it kind of keyword. Well, it's kind of keyword research, which I'm not going to go into too much because it's a whole different topic. Mm. But once you're armed with a USP, and you understand your audience's beliefs, desires, and fears. You understand where they are on that sales path, and you understand their searcher intent. You've got so much material that you can pump into keyword tools yeah. and get those keywords out. And then we all know you kind of batch those and create a focus and then have your, your associated keywords. Mm. 
And then you're at the point where you can actually start to write copy. Yeah, okay. And one thing I wanted to add to that, because it's basically saying what language, what vocabulary my users using, I need to use that in order to convince them, and also to attract Google's attention to the fact that my page is relevant for that. Uh, I I wanted to add something to that, and I'm telling my clients now, look at Wikipedia around your subject, because Google's NLP is trained on Wikipedia, so actually putting some entities and some vocabulary from Wikipedia really helps Google to get to grips with it. Would yes, you agree with that? I would, I would. And Super I think you know, using anything Google gives us, one of my favorite methodologies is, you know, there's all these tools, yeah. but if you just start typing into the search box, Google will give you the associated searches. If good you look point, at the yeah. bottom of the first page of results, it gives you all the related searches. Those are good LSI keywords for your page, okay. so use those. But I think it's about having each page should have a focus and a purpose. Mm. What is this page trying to do? Oh, this is a comparison page. Mm. Okay, great, that's your focus keyword. Mm. Maybe these other keywords are relevant. So once you've got that, you've got your focus keyword, you've written it on a yellow post-it note, stuck mm. it to computer screen, then you start to write and you do not think about Google at all. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I tell people, think about entities that Google's going to associate with it. Look at Wikipedia and Don Anderson's favorite thing is co-occurrence, words of co-occurrence. Uh, so it's, I would say weave that into your text and that if you just write for the human, Google won't necessarily uh, get fully to grips with what it is you're talking about. Am uh, I uh, overdoing you're, it? No, you're not. But what I would say is the, the problem that most people have and why you can tell that copy's been written for search engines and mm. it sounds awkward is they do what you've suggested. Ah. What I suggest you do is you write from the heart, you write emotional copy, you talk like a human, like you're having a chat. Like if yeah. I was trying to talk to you about my course, well, how would I explain it to you? You know, You'd say, it's brill, It's brill, it. it's awesome. <laughs> and, and so one of my tips I use with my clients is to record yourself oh. talking about your product or service because it's so hard to write, but when you talk freely, little words and idioms come out and great phrases, you can get that transcribed and then manipulate that into copy. So start with that. You know, use all the editing tips that I suggest, breaking the copy up, nice white space, subheaders to signpost content, short paragraphs, short sentences, bullet points. So it looks attractive on the page. You're very convincing. Oh, thank you. And can I ask a related question? You may. Because I've, I've got a couple of blog posts that I'm supposed to be writing, and I, I find it very painful actually mm. writing the, the mm. things. Do you think I could do it just by recording it and getting it, getting a transcription? Do you think that would f- function? I think it would. I think so. I in my sites, I, I sell a lot of templates. So I have a blog post template that kind of says, "Do this, oh, can I borrow then it? do that." You may have, you can buy it. Uh, oh. no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Two thousand dollars a pop. Because the structures, and one of the things I, I, I talk about a lot is my favourite. Um, there's copywriting structures. One of them's ADA, so awareness, oh, interest, desire, and then attention. Yeah. Or well, I can't remember what it is. I'm, I'm losing my mind. Um, and those can really help you structure content not blog posts as much that's more for sales pages but with blog posts you think of the burger idea you know you say what you're going to say you make a promise you say it and then you say what you've said and really that's what every blog post is it's like I'm gonna help you do this then I help you then afterwards I say I just helped you do this and that's the most basic structure for a blog post isn't that the kind of thing we used to be taught at university at school as well it's a sandwich isn't it I didn't pay attention in school I paid attention in university oh there we go but you're like is it Aida? Aida, that's it one of like them. It sounds like it's an opera, isn't it? It well? does, yes. And it's an upside down uh, triangle. Yes. 
So, you know, it, what the idea is, is that well, it's almost like a sales funnel as well. You're going to get a lot of people coming at the top bit, then fewer, okay. then fewer, then fewer. But it's all about you just mean using... as people read down the copy, they, yeah. they, they drop off. Well, of so course, not everyone's going to want to buy, buy your product because, you know, the truth about marketing is it's as much about repelling as it is about attracting. Cool. I don't want everybody on my course, for example. I want people aware that they're going to have to put time in, that there's no easy answers, that there's no black hat methodology. So as they're going down the page and they realize this, I'm losing people all the time, of course. And you're happy about that. And I'm happy about that because Brilliant. I don't want anyone buying it who then wants a refund or who doesn't feel happy about it. I want a complete satisfied customer. So the more I give them, the more transparent I am, the better result it is for me. Ooh, I love that. Mm. That's jolly good. So we've been emotional and now we do what you said. Ah. Now we're up to your bit. Oh, right. So Which we is edit. We edit for humans, and that's the kind of making it look pretty, but then we optimize for Google. Ah, you call it Google Beast? Google Beast. I, I like that because I call Google the Beast. It is and a Beast. I, I, I talk to my clients about feeding the Beast. Grappling the Beast, I like Ooh, to say. I grapple feed the, the Google. Beast, you yeah, grapple I it. grapple it, wrestle it down. <laughs> but you do need to feed the Beast. So you go back to your post it note, your focus keyword, your LSI keywords, or your Dawn's phrase, what was it? Correlated. Co occurrence. Co occurrence keywords. And you go, well, look. There are probably about seven or so places that we could use this. Okay. The title, the URL, the meta description, the H1, the first 100 words, the alt tag, the image file name. So my ideas were good, they were just premature in the, in the I process. I think you do that because it's, you go through and you go, well, look, I was talking about piglet jumpers, but I've piglet actually, jumper. and I should have, you know, I'm you selling a piglet jumper, maybe. Um, so I probably have mentioned that phrase. Have I mentioned it? Where have I mentioned it? Have I mentioned it too much? Is it starting to sound a bit relentless? So what other words could I use that might be similar? And we've got our little list. So I think, it, you know, you can use them in those seven spots that I just mentioned. So that, I'll say them again. There was title, URL, meta description, first 100 words, um, image alt tag, image file name. And I, I like to do one bold as well, just for, just for interest. And really, that's enough for your focus keyword. After that, you can move into your LSI for subheaders and other bits. But what was LSI? Uh, latent semantic indexing. So your secondary keywords. Okay. Your brilliant. keywords that are similar, your plurals, your like copywriter and copywriting. You wouldn't have two separate pages about yeah. that. You'd have them on one. So then you go through and massage the copy a little bit so that Google likes it a bit more. It's sexier for Google. So you massage your copy and you wrestle the beast. You wrestle and massage. <laughs> and then when you're done that, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of done. Like, you know... The thing is as well, which is ironic about all of this, is that Google is so good these days after the Hummingbird mm. update and all the things that they're doing. Uh, you can actually have pages ranking for keyword phrases that aren't even on the page. Yeah. So, but what I think is that we want to give ourselves the best chance. Mm. So if you really want to rank for this keyword, then do that, do that methodology. You may find that that page ranks for hundreds of other keywords that you didn't mm. even think of, but that's a bonus. I, I had a really good example of that two years ago. Uh, for cheap, it was flower delivery in France, and the, the page the, the, my client was ranking for cheap flower delivery, despite the fact they didn't even use the word cheap at all. And this was two years ago. Yes. And my assumption is that we had schema markup showing the prices, and Google was doing a price comparison, saying that is cheap. Maybe as well, but I mean, I've, I, I rank for best copywriter in Australia. And you are, but you don't say it. I, I do actually say it in my title tag, but I also rank for good copywriter. Okay. I rank for great copywriter, which are words I don't use on the page. Mm. So I think a lot of adjectival stuff, like you may have somewhere used the word affordable, or, but might, it might be in the schema. So there's lots of other things at play. And one of the slides in my presentation, which I'm sure you saw, is you can't write copy in a vacuum. It's, a vacuum cleaner. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, 
But you know, one of the things is that great SEO copy cannot solve other problems. It cannot solve a slow site or an unresponsive yeah. site or crawl errors or anything like that. So in my course, for example, everyone's desperate to do the keyword research and the copy because mm. it's fun. Mm. But I make them do the tech week first. I make them fix their Skype, do their schema, get their site speed down under three. Because no amount of great copy will save a bad site, unfortunately. No. Okay. You know? Now, a piece of copy might do really well and go viral despite the fact that it takes your site 30 mm. seconds to load, but we shouldn't we should always focus on best practice. So, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. I thought that was great. I'm like, thank you very much. That was <laughs> Absolutely perfect. I think that the, the last word is actually what I wrote down first, which is conversion copy only has one goal and it's to sell. But you actually, if I might say so, contradict yourself a little bit there yeah. because some of the, the, the end of this, convert, uh, this uh, sales copy is not to sell, it's to get rid of the, the, the chaff. Yeah, it's to sell to the right people. Brilliant. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you, that was great. SEO is AEO. Thank you, Kate.